driving spaceships instead of cars. Cop a pot of space suit about the stars. Getting stupid high straight about the jaws. Pockets on Shrek, rockets on deck. Tell me what's next, alien sex. I'ma disrobe you, then I'ma probe you. See, I abducted you, so I tell you what to do. I tell you what to do, what to do, what to do. Stays the same. 
شكراً
All right, happy Thursday to everyone here. My name is Randy Zelli. This is Off Topic, of course, through BackSportsPage.com. Thank you to WRPR and Rempo College for letting us use the studio. As always, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your Thursday night to talk sports and entertainment with you. My name is Randy Zelli. Again, no co-host right now. For those who don't know, Steve Spanup no longer with the show. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I've been on air, so I really appreciate it. It's like almost like getting on a bicycle and making sure you don't remember how to do all this. Uh, lots going on here. Giants, Yankees, NBA starting. Ezekiel Elliott uh, suspended again. So much to talk about, and we have a short amount of time to do it. Let's quickly give you a quick rundown. 615, uh, NJ.com, James Cratch, giving us a quick call to discuss the New York Giants. We're going to talk about the DRC situation, the 0-5 start. What's up next with Eli Manning? Where is he going? What's going to happen? Uh, rumors flying everywhere about what's happening with the New York Giants. Of course, the big story today, of course, the New York Yankees advancing to the American League Championship Series. Uh, our own Yankee insider and former uh I guess WRPR, Ryan Morick will call in to discuss that with us. Also, we're talking a little bit about the NBA preseason. Eric Webb joining us at 710. And, of course, again, so much more. Brandon uh, Brandon London, former New York Giants, going to be joining us around the 635 mark to discuss what's going on also from his end. Uh, he is, he's a member of the Giants organization, very heavily into the community. 201-825-1234. Follow, hey, follow me on Twitter at RandyBSP and on Instagram, RandyBSP. The show page as well as Off Topic at uh, Off Topic BSP is on Twitter and as well as our Facebook page. And of course, follow me on Facebook. Going to go live in a few minutes on Facebook. You can start throwing questions at me. I'll do the best I can to answer them. So there's a, so much where to start with. And again, since we might as well, James Cratch is going to join us in about two minutes. So let's start with the New York Giants. I was there, press box game on Sunday. I'm telling you, I felt that it was going to happen. I thought the first one of the season was going to be there. Giants played well. The Giants played well in the first half of the game. Defense was making plays. Jonathan Casillas told me personally the week before that the defense had to step up and make plays, and that's what they were doing. They were making things very difficult for Phillip Rivers, and then the injuries mounted. Sterling Shepard, down with an ankle injury. Brandon Marshall, down with an ankle injury. All of a sudden, Dwayne Harris, returning punts, playing the wide receiver position, down with an ankle injury. And then with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter, it was the crunch hurt around the world. It was Odell Beckham Jr. going down with, yes, you get it, another ankle injury. Uh, two out of the four, are, I'm sorry, three out of the four out for the season. Sterling Shepard expected back, if not this week, next week. It's a high ankle sprain, so we'll see where that goes with that. Man, I, and I just got to tell you, it's been one of those things where you just... It, you know, once once it's bad, it's bad. Like go, you, you say, you can't go from bad to worse. Trust me, for the New York Giants, it is. Dominic Rogers Camardi officially suspended yesterday. Uh, altercation with the coach. I don't know if it's an altercation, but I guess it was a very very big uh, discipline uh, type of situation. It's not it's not healthy right now in Giants land. Uh, it's very 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 difficult to see see that. I guess the uh, what's the, the 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 forest through the trees in that type of situation. So. That being said, the New York Giants are now officially, uh, I guess, well, they were eliminated from the playoff picture, I guess, when you're 0-3, 0-4. But now have some decisions to make. What do you do with Eli Manning? What do you do with Jerry Reese? What do you do with Davis Webb? What do you do with some of these veteran players? Do you scrap everything and start from scratch? Do you try and piece everything together during the offseason? Because I have an opinion on what's going on here. I, I've been through training camp. I've been through everything else with this team this season, and I'm telling you, the general feeling that I have is that you have to fire the general manager. I know people like Reese, um, you know, he he got a Super Bowl ring there, and 
you know, he just hasn't drafted well. And when you know, and this is just how I feel, you people can jump in on kill me if you want, and that's fine. But when you know what your one of your weaknesses is during the NFL offseason, that you know you have to fix that offensive line, and you don't fix that offensive line, and you're in a situation where you add Brandon Marshall, and you add Evan Ingram, and you draft Wayne Gallman and Davis Webb. Davis Webb's supposed to be your quarterback of the future. And you have this great defense. The expectation level is that, yes, you're going to start believing that you're a Super Bowl team. And this team has a right to believe that they're going to be a Super Bowl team. And then it went to hell. <laughs> um, I think there's a, there was a bunch of mix of different things here. I think that you're going to have where... The Giants sort of believing some of their press clippings. I think the Giants started believing that they were a lot better than what they were. And I also think that the Giants are now in a situation where, you know, it's over. Like this, this great, what's the best way of saying it? This great situation, this team that the, that again, was picked to win the Super Bowl, or picked to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, just went down. It went down in a, in a, in a, in a heap. And there's no other way to describe it, but like I think they believe their press clippings. I believe that injuries came back to mount them. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's anything now that is a quick fix. I think you now have a situation where you have a guys who are very confident, very uh, prideful, and have a great camaraderie with each with each other. Now, sort of, ha- now they have an issue in the locker room, and you don't you don't wish that you don't wish that. And now you now you have a bigger problem. So now, the Giants have some decisions to make in their front office between whether they're going to keep Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo. Now you have to decide if you're going to keep an an aging Eli Manning. What are we doing there? If if Eli is going to play another season, or are we just, you know, are we going to cut him or trade him and try and see what we can get for him to see if we're going to boost the offensive line and, and start building for Eric uh, for I'm sorry for Eric Webb Eric Webb will be joining the show in a little bit Davis Webb sorry about that uh, we're, so are we going to find out if Davis Webb is this team's quarterback or are they going to draft what is happening where are we going if you're a Giant fan you have to know you're not going to get all the answers right now at 0-5 but maybe at the end of the season at 4-12 I mean you'll see if Davis Webb will get into the final part of the season and see if he'll be able to get in there to see if he can play a little bit against the first team. There's some different things happening there. So let's let's get the answers from the man who's at practice all the time. He covers the Giants for NJ.com, my good buddy James Cratch. James, how are you, how are you doing tonight? I'm excellent, Randy. How are you? Listen, I, I, I'm a little confused at what's going on because in August you and I were sitting at practice saying, sort of, I don't want to say we're making our Super Bowl plans, but... We were we were talking that we were going to be a little bit more competitive going into uh, mid October than zero five. Yes, I mean, look, I was one of those guys who I don't look. I picked them to go to the playoffs. So I, I got to own up to that. I was a little bit more pessimistic than others. I thought this was kind of a nine and seven team who had some pieces to potentially push, you know, Steve to the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl. 
I was, as you know, I was concerned about the offensive line. I never saw 0-5 coming, and uh, it's really been kind of a stunning, stunning fall from this team, and now with the events of the you know, past couple weeks, it's become an embarrassing one, too. Well, do you think the first two weeks of the season, this is how I'm looking at it. I know they always say you break up the NFL season in quarters, but... I look at it as the first two weeks of the season, I felt that this team was really believing their press clippings and they were as good as they were. And they really hadn't earned that at that point. And then the second two games, those were the types of games that they were winning last year. They were winning those you know, last-second field goal type of games. I don't know if I have a different perception of it, but what's your perception on that theory that I have? Uh, that could be right. I mean, look, I think the bottom line was that the first game was just a no-show effort. I mean, they just didn't show up in Dallas against the Cowboys. The second game, I think it was 24-10, but I feel like it was sort of similar to weeks three and four in a sense that it was a close game in the fourth quarter. The Giants made a bunch of mistakes, but they had a shot to win the game. They just happened to give up a big play on that punt return. That kind of made a two-score game and killed them. Weeks three and weeks four, I mean, well, I look at this way. I think that it's a little deceiving. The Giants played one good quarter in Philadelphia. Almost won the game, probably should have won the game, but... When you're going like that and you're not playing consistently and you give 193 yards on the ground, sometimes a kid's going to kick a 61-yard field goal at the gun. I thought the Tampa game was a bit deceiving. You know, Nick Folk misses two field goals, extra point. they got to go for two weeks one other time because he missed the PAT. So I felt like Tampa, if everything kind of went perfectly for them, they'd probably still win that game by 7 to 10 points. So the Giants were a little bit lucky to be in that game at the end. And this past Sunday against the Chargers, uh, it was a humiliating loss. Chargers had lost nine straight. The Chargers hadn't won a game since November 27th of last year, so a couple days after Thanksgiving. And they come across country, fly, you know, they, play in, they don't even have a home, really. They fly here, 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff, and they beat the Giants at MetLife Stadium. I mean, that's just embarrassing to me. So I agree with you. I, I think the first two games, uh, you know, definitely the first game didn't really show up. Maybe they bought into the hype a little bit. Too little, too late in weeks three and four and just embarrassment and rock bottom in week five. And, of course, the injuries that happened on Sunday, I was there, you were there, and I'd never seen anything like that. I think that was the general feeling. It was like we were in unprecedented uh, waters. Four receivers going down and leaving Eli with not a lot of options there in the final drive, those that last two-minute drive. Talk talk about the more what you got from your side of the locker room, because I know that I was more on the defensive side of the locker room. What was more of the take of what you got uh, reaction-wise, both right after the game, I guess that first practice after the game as well. Yeah, I mean, they were stunned. Uh, I've never seen anything like it at a professional level. Obviously, I covered high school sports for a couple of years. I played in high school. I've seen some situations where, you know, you have a rash of injuries at some team, and before you know it, you know, some the fourth quarterback is playing. But, I mean, that's, you know, you think about it, that's usually a kind of a finite situation. And usually you're, you're losing guys who aren't key starters. Uh, that's what the Giants did. They lost, I mean, two of the most prominent players in the NFL, Brandon Marshall and uh, Odell Beckham, the season any injuries. Sterling Shepard's probably not going to play on Sunday. Uh, they need him back you know, as quickly as possible. And then obviously Dwayne Harris lost. I mean, look, it's a devastating blow, and I think it's really going to hurt the Giants against the Broncos on Sunday. I think going forward, if they can get Shepard back on the field and he can stay on the field, Tavares King is a guy who's had success. Everyone loved Travis Rudolph in the summer. I do think the Giants can have a solid receiving core. I think they can kind of overachieve the very low expectations people seem to have for them, but they're nowhere near what they were with Beckham and Mar. I mean, Marshall didn't play very well when he was here, but 
no, obviously losing Beckham is a, is a crucial blow, and they're not going to be anywhere near where they were or could have been had they all operated on the same level. But I do think that eventually they'll be pretty solid. It just might take a couple of weeks. Is there anybody out there on the free agent market that you would think that the Giants would look at at this point, like Victor Cruz or I don't know anybody out there at this point besides Victor? No, I mean the door is definitely it seems closed on Victor. You know what, Randy? You're zero and five. Uh, you're not going anywhere. And I, I think at this point you should play the young kids. I mean, if you it, it's a tough situation. Because on one hand, and we and I think this will be interesting to kind of monitor if you know some of these guys don't play well or there's more injuries. One hand, Ben McAdoo might have to win football games to keep his job. On the other, if you're looking forward and you think this is an aberration and just a you know season gone wrong and you're going to bounce back going forward, it's not a bad idea to play the young players, get them some experience. You know, I mean, I think, look, for all you know, a guy like Travis Rudolph could go out and have a, a big 11 games, or a guy like Ed Egan could prove that he can be a really solid special teams contributor. Then you got something to build off for, you know, on for 2018 and beyond. But at this point, I don't think they're going to bring any veteran free agents in, but I do think that's something to monitor, especially if the pressure increases to actually win these games. And, of course, the other uh, the big part of that as well is the offensive line. It just seems like now they're they're piecing little things together to see if that works. Does it bother you from watching this team that this was a weakness going into the off season and it really wasn't addressed? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've been saying it should be addressed for months now. It, it's inexplicable, and I think this team has way more issues than the offensive line. You know, the defensive struggle, obviously the injuries. So I think in some way, Jerry Reese, the general manager, who I just don't understand what his strategy was with this line. I think he's going to sort of shaking a little bit of the heat just because they've had issues elsewhere. But it's inexplicable to me not only that they didn't address his offensive line, but they seem to be playing musical chairs every week, moving guys in and out of the lineup. Some of that's been due to injuries. Some of it's been performance. And I really feel that they might be at a point now where, depending on what we see on Sunday at the right tackle position, look, Von Miller may be the best defensive player in the NFL. He lines up against the right tackle. So I, I'm intrigued to see what they do if they keep Bobby Hart there, if they have Justin Pugh there. Uh, my guess is, my, from what I, you know, I kind of understand, is it, it sounds like they might be leaning towards Pugh, which I don't understand. I mean, Bobby Hart really struggled against the Chargers, but are they going to get to a point where they're basically just going to configure their line based on the matchup each week, the best protect Eli Manning? And if you're doing that after this whole offseason of basically saying that continuity was the greatest thing on earth, and that's why it was going to make the line better, even though the same five guys were back. I think it's going to really kind of look bad on the Giants. I took a poll through uh, Back Sports page about whether Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo survive this. And in my eyes, I think at this point, you might have to just do a clear, a clear cleaning. Do you think Jerry Reese survives this? Great question. I mean, look, the Giants don't do clear cleanings. I think the last time they did it was 1978 or something. And I think that if we learned anything, you know, my first year on the beat, obviously when Tom Coughlin gets forced out, they did everything they could to find a viable path to keeping Tom for another year. They just they couldn't do it. And I really think it's the same situation. And I think, you know, I was talking to someone who made an interesting point. You know, we thought this was a playoff team going into the summer, you know, in, in preseason and everything. I think everyone, for the most part, thought they were a playoff caliber team. Well, I mean, yes, the offensive line wasn't addressed, and that's a major issue, but is that all? Is it all on Jerry Reese then? If we, I mean, did he maybe do his job more than we think he did? 
uh, you know, if we think about it, because, again, we all thought this was a playoff team. I think that's an interesting point. I mean, where I come from is this. I think we learned it with the Jets and elsewhere. It's really difficult to succeed in the NFL when you have a GM who didn't hire the head coach or you have a head coach that was, you know, wasn't part of the GM. So I am very hesitant to say fire Jerry Reese and keep Ben McAdoo. I feel like you have to keep both of them or get rid of both of them. And at this point, I still think the odds-on bet is that they're both back next year. But there's 11 games to go, and this thing is starting to look really ugly after the DRC suspension. So who knows what's going to happen over the next three months that might change the calculus. Well, I was just about to say that, too, before we get into the DRC thing. I guess my next question was going to be, does the both of those guys end up getting passes because of the injuries now? Because you're like, well, we don't have the receivers anyway, so why, you know, you can't judge this team because if they if would have won that game, you never know what would have happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, does this, do the injuries pretty much give them, them both a pass because they just don't have the top talent that they were supposed to have? Yeah, they shouldn't because, I mean, they were 0-4 before all the injuries happened. I mean, the season was over. It's not like the, all these injuries happened in week three and they lost the game. I mean, or, or in week two. They were 0-4. I mean, the season was already shot before all the injuries happened. Yeah, you've had injuries here and there, but nothing that a Super Bowl-caliber team should not be able to overcome and win at least one game in your first four. So, no, I don't think the injuries should be an excuse. Now, will the Giants use an excuse? If they bring both guys back, I think the fans might be so upset that they might just throw every excuse on the table to try to justify the move. But I think that also depends on you know how many games they win. If this team somehow goes out and wins four or five games, I think things are going to calm down. If you win two or three, which is what I think they're going to win, it's going to be a lot more tricky. James Cratch joining us here from NJ.com here on Off Topic, BackSportsPage.com. All right, a couple more topics I just want to jump on here with. Uh, before we go into DRC, Eli Manning. Um, what do you do with Eli at this point? Contract's up at the end of next year. Like we said, we both just said, it's a sort of a shot season. Would you play him through, obviously, through the rest of the season and then towards the end of the year? Not, I'm not saying don't start him, but also give uh, Davis Webb a little bit of a, some time here to see what he can do on the field? Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, look, I, I think that, you know, Eli's contract is up actually after the 2019 season. Okay, so I'm um, sorry about that. I was wrong. <laughs> you, you, no, 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 Paul. I just want to say this is the context. Because I, mean, I think it's very. If Eli was going to the final year of his deal, I would say that I think that once he. It would be more realistic to say, hey, are the Giants going to do something here? Now, I'm a firm believer that Eli will be the Giants' starting quarterback until he either is physically unable, meaning he gets injured. Or he retires. And I, I think that Eli Manning will retire a giant. Uh, he has no trade clause. I don't think Eli would want to be traded anywhere. I don't think the Giants would ever trade him anywhere. Honestly, I don't think the Giants would cut Eli and then tell him, hey, you know, go find another team. And I, look, none of us know Eli Manning terribly well. He's a very guarded guy. I just don't think he's the type of guy who's going to go move his family somewhere, you know, all, anywhere in the country to play football for one or two more seasons for a strange team, even if it was the thing that the Internet loves to talk about where he goes to Jacksonville and, and reunites with Tom Coughlin. I think that Eli will be a Giant and then he'll retire. And I, I do think that if the Giants decided, hey, you know, whether it be at the end of next year or the, you know, we're ready to move on, I think they, the relationship they, they would believe is strong enough with Eli that they can sit down with him and reach some sort of amicable uh, parting of ways where he retires and he gets everything that's coming to him, you know, ring of honor, retirement ceremony, retired number, all that stuff. 
Now, I do think there's an argument to be made to play Webb more. I think that's going to depend on a lot of factors. One, if this team has, you know, wins four or five out of the next, you know, eight games or something, and you're not going to be in a mix for a top five pick, you might say, okay, well, you know, we're still, we're not going to be in a position to get a quarterback, and we like Davis enough that we're not going to trade up a, a ransom to get, move into that top five and draft a quarterback. I think, you know, but if you are going to be in a position for a top five pick, I definitely think you have to at least try to consider giving him some time just to see what you can learn about him before you make decisions. And, like, look, I don't know how much you're actually going to gain from Davis Webb getting any playing time behind a, a shaky offensive line with a bunch of, you know, no-name receivers in a lost season. I mean, you're only going to learn so much. I think also factor is going to be what's going to happen with, with McAdoo and Reese. I mean, if McAdoo and Reese – Top five pick or top three pick, and McAdoo and Reese—they're coming back. Well, they drafted Webb. They've got to figure out. Well, do we want to stick with him, or do we want to, you know, just kind of, you know, move on from him? And I say move on. I mean, you know, he's going to be on the team. He's a third-round pick, but you know, you know, you might not have him necessarily in your long-term plans over the guy you draft. But if it's if the Giants are going to move on from McAdoo or move on from Reese, everything changes. Because you're going to have a new coach or a new GM or, or both come in, and they didn't draft Davis Webb. And, you know, there's a chance that whoever you bring in might love Davis Webb and say, this is my guy. And he also might say, I never thought Davis Webb was terribly good to begin with. I want my own guy. Yeah, so you're you're almost like it's almost like a catch-22 because there's all these different scenarios you can do at 0-5. So. <laughs> exactly. I, I think it, it, it's, it's tough because, you know, I, we've talked about this. When you're – the Giants' season, it's over, and I think the, it would be so much easier for the whole world if this was, like, week you know, week 15, and it would be, like, just a couple more weeks, and it would be mercifully over. The Giants have three more months to go. I mean, it's astonishing that they are in this position. But that's where they're at, and I think that's one of the major things that they have to worry about as a team is that it's not like this season just got tanked, you know, with three games to go, they were eliminated from the playoffs. They're basically eliminated – in October, they were basically out. Their season ended when they lost to the Bucks on October 1st. That is incredibly difficult to do in the NFL. And now you've got to play out the string with what is increasingly looking like an unhappy locker room. A lot of things can go wrong. If things go wrong, people who are in charge, their jobs get on the line, and then they start to lose their jobs, and then the whole thing blows wide open. And then there's no other, no better segue than that than to get into the DRC situation. So, okay, so explain to me what happened because you shot me an email yesterday just saying nobody knows where DRC is. And my, my first reaction was, I, he's not with me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so explain to me from the top what really happened here with uh, Dominic rogers Camardi. All right, I'll do my best. Because the whole thing is a little murky. There, there's some missing pieces here and there. So basically what apparently happened was on Friday the Giants don't have a typical practice. They have what's called a recovery day. And instead of practice, you know, guys can get massages or certain, you know, water, you know, all that's kind of like to help them recuperate. Because the Giants, the, the, you know, some teams that have a walkthrough on a Saturday morning will just kind of, you know, go through things. The Giants move a little bit faster. Apparently DRC on Friday said, I uh, left the, the massage area or whatever. He just wanted to go be in the cold tub. Now, people, you know, Dan Doug and I covered team. It seems like no one really thought that was a big deal on Friday, I think it's unfort you know just something that's maybe upset the Giants in hindsight, or it's just kind of getting thrown in there because you know that's what happened in these situations. You know, people just kind of start tacking things on. So anyway, 
DRC played on Sunday. He got hurt, as people saw. He, he, got, he came up limpy on that deep ball, came back in for a play. He comes off the sideline. He slammed his helmet, and apparently he went into the locker room. Came back out a couple plays later. He didn't return the rest of the game. Apparently, now Ben McAdoo says there was no altercation between him and DRC, verbal or otherwise, on Sunday. DRC told ESPN they had an argument. So at any rate, whatever happened on Sunday, and it's very hazy what happened. On Tuesday, the Giants players have off Monday. DRC comes in and meets with Ben McAdoo, and Ben McAdoo tells him that due to his actions in the game Sunday, he's going to be basically benched for the entire game against Denver. But he's not being suspended. He's just going to be inactive. So what DRC is going to have to do is you have to practice the entire week, prepare as if he's playing, basically pretend with the media that he's playing. And then Sunday he'll be a surprise inactive. And then I don't know what Ben McAdoo's plan was after that. Probably the same plan he's basically had, which is to you know, not say anything. So DRC, I guess, was obviously not upset. And I guess he was wondering, you know, why am I being punished for this when other guys have not been punished for various things? On Wednesday, Giants had you know, their first kind of full day of practice. Tuesday, just kind of a get-in-the-groove stuff. Uh, DRC shows the facility, apparently goes to the meeting, and he walks out of the meeting and walks out of the uh, stadium, uh, the facility. So Ben McAdoo makes the decision to suspend him. And that comes out, and you know, McAdoo says it and doesn't say much in the press conference. And the players, players had no idea. I mean, I, you know, we go to the locker room and we're asking guys, and guys are literally learning from us what's happened. So Thursday, today, this morning, DRC reports to the locker room. Uh, he's in the locker room like nothing's happened. He meets with McAdoo. McAdoo suspends him indefinitely. Now, one of my questions, and Ben McAdoo would not come out and speak to the media today. He would only take questions that were done through the team, you know, PR and team employee. Is that if you made the decision to suspend DRC, why was he allowed into the locker room? You know, if you've been in a facility, there's a lobby. It seems to me that the way to handle that, if you have to meet with him, would be for him to come into the front door and, you know, sit down in the lobby, and then someone obviously would meet him and take him upstairs to McAdoo's office. So that's one of the questions I have is why would you suspend a guy and then let him go in the locker room, you know, with the rest of your team? The second thing is, you know, why exactly what happened? And Ben McAdoo won't say that. Now, I think it's very important. I, I probably sound like I'm rambling a little bit, but this is kind of complex. There's two fronts to this. I think Giants players, that ones I've talked to, they understand that when you like go AWOL, you know, you're going to get suspended. Like That's a, a valid response to that action. I think they get that. I think the issue the Giants players might have is, why was he going to be benched and forced to basically pretend he was playing in that way when other guys haven't been? I think that speaks to the whole idea that Ben McAdoo seems to have a lot of double standards and inconsistent approaches to how he is disciplined with this team. And to begin with, this team hasn't shown a lot of discipline this year. That's James Cratch from NJ.com. James, thanks so much for coming on tonight, man, and, and going over through this. There's Obviously, the DRC thing, I think, is going to unravel through uh, the next couple weeks, and we're going to get some more answers. That's probably going to cause a lot more questions. So, James, thanks so much, man. Listen, hang in there, and uh, safe travels to Denver. We'll talk to you beginning of the week. Anytime, Randy. Thank you. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. All right, so we go from James JamesCratchNDA.com to uh, probably one of the nicest guys who I've ever met since I started uh, covering the Giants. He's, uh, his name is Brandon London, and he's joining us right now on Off Topic. Brandon, how are you today, my friend? 
Hey, what's going on, Randy? Thanks for having me on, man. Uh, no, listen, no problem. Listen, I, you heard James. James, you know, James is with the team <laughs> more than I am, and I'm, you know me, I'm over there a lot. And what is going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you're just seeing a, a casualties of an 0-5 team, man. You know, I think before the season when there was high expectations and, you know, uh, Brandon Marshall came over in free agency and we had the draft we had, we had – there's a lot of excitement, you know, around this team. And then you see the dance videos in the locker room and stuff, and you're like, hey, man, this team is going to you know, hopefully go. You want you want to go undefeated each year. You want to win the Super Bowl each, each year. And you're looking at it like, hey, this team has an opportunity to do at least one of the two. And, you know, Super Bowl is the only thing that matters. But then when you fall to 0-5, I mean, that's a, that's a, big, that's a big drop, man, to be riding that high doing dancing videos and stuff to being 0-5 and, and then guys getting hurt, three receivers going on IR, having to get surgery. It's, 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 it, that's what happens with football, man. That's what happens with teams. You know, winning is a thing that masks everything, but when you're losing, you kind of see so you kind of see how things really are, you know, not only from the team aspect in terms of the X's and O's, but just attitudes and well, from the attitudes of, of, of players or whomever to the fans as well. So, I mean, 0-5, there's nothing you can do about it right now except get better, except get better and win this game. But, uh, like I said, what you're seeing is uh, that's going on right now is because you're 0-5 football team. Now, listen, Brandon, you played – before you know you've been there you were with the Giants on the field and you know you know this game is about brotherhood and and going out there to battle and you know you were you were around that 2007 team that you know you know shocked the world it's you know yeah shocked the world and you got to keep in mind we started off 0-2 you know I think the defense gave up like 80 points in those first two games and you could hear you couldn't really hear the boo birds as much and Twitter and social media wasn't that big of a thing back then. So you didn't get to, you didn't have to go on your Facebook or go on, uh, on, on the websites or Twitter and see everybody talking about, Oh, this team sucks or, or stray hands old. He shouldn't play anymore. Or Plaxico needs to practice more, or whatever, you know, nowadays everyone's got some sort of opinion on what a team should and shouldn't be doing. Now, and especially, and to go on five, then it's like that that makes it open game on the team, on everything. Now everything gets scrutinized. Oh, well, Odell didn't tie his hair right today. He must be in a bad mood or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you're losing, everyone has some sort of opinion on why you should be winning or why they think you should be winning or why you aren't focused. So I think right now it's just one of those situations, man, where, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. You zero and five. The best thing you can do now is win some games, because right now guys are playing for their jobs. I don't think people understand that. So you could be you could be upset if you want to in the locker room or whatever. But when you step on that field, you have to put your best foot forward. You have to put your best work on tape, or you're not going to be back here next year, or you may not be with another team. Well, take us back uh, from the mentality from 2007 of being zero and two. You know what is that? What is that room like at that point in time? T- you know, take our listeners because you know obviously the, the the fans don't get it. The fans the fans follow it through the media uh, and now, nowadays social media through the week, but they're not on the field. They're not at practices. You know, they're they're Sunday. They're there cheering and they're watching. 
but you guys were the ones that were on the field. Take us back to 0-2 during that season. What What is the mentality like at that point in time? Well, you know, remember I was on the practice roster that year, so I had to be whoever we were playing. I had to be their top, that team's top receiver all throughout the week. So if we're playing the Cowboys, I had to be T.O. that week. Play the Bucks in the playoffs, I had to be Joey Galloway. What I felt a different speed in practice at 0-2 because the defense, Sam Madison, uh, uh, Corey Webster, Jabril Wilson, all those DBs, they were playing like they didn't want to lose anymore. Those guys would step up. You see guys staying after practice a little bit longer. You see guys in the film room a little bit longer. Even when we would finish practice and guys would go hang out together, um, you know, just hanging out at someone's house, it, it was nonstop football talk what we got to be doing. And you don't want to stress yourselves too much and get too caught up in the game to where it's like you're playing like a robot out there or anything. But it was, it was a lot of guys talking a lot of football, a lot of guys not wanting to be 0-3. And there was a lot of guys who, I guess, I don't necessarily want to say that they weren't practicing hard. Everyone was practicing hard because in the NFL, no one's safe. You're either playing for more money, you're playing for a job, you're playing to get on the field, or you're playing not to go home. So everyone's practicing hard. Everyone's putting their best foot forward. But you can feel another speed in terms of a team mentality, and we don't want to go on three. And I can't say that's not the mentality around the Giants team right now. Who who knows why this team is on three? Who knows what's going on? But I, what I can say is I remember after that last 0-2, it, we, when we practiced, I felt a different speed going into that third week. Now, also talk to me. You, you know, you you had a championship ring with the 2007 Giants. Now, you also got to play in the CFL. Can you talk about the differences as far as game speed of playing in the CFL compared to the NFL? Game speed, the, and people when they when I say this, they need to listen to the full explanation. The game speed in the CFL is faster. I'm not saying the athletes are, are, are faster or the you know bigger, faster, stronger. What I'm saying is since it's three downs. Since it's three downs, then you're throwing on every down, pretty much. You know, if you run the ball on first down, you better get five yards, or you're in a bad situation. Uh, game speed, the games, you know, the, the quarter, I mean, the clock, pretty much nonstop unless it runs nonstop unless it's three minutes. So when I say the game speed's faster and there's a lot more going on, the extra player on the field, the wider field, you know, there's there's other intricacies of the game that you have to be able to pick up on really fast if you're going to be on the CFL field. What I think about the NFL is you're, you're dealing with gladiators. You're dealing with the best of the best athletes in the world. You see guys like Davion Clowney, who's like 6'5", 6'6", 240, 260, who can run 4'4". Guys like JPP, who's 6'6", 260, 270, who can do 16 backflips. You're dealing with specimens with that. So I, I think the game speed in the CFL is faster because the, the nature of the game and how it is. But the pl- overall players, the athletes down in in the in the NFL, man, you're you're dealing with a different type of specimen. Can you talk about the transition you went from playing and doing more stuff with the community relations department that the Giants, you know, with the Giants now? It seems like you're everywhere. You know, you do a lot of different things. You have your website, Brandon London TV. Talk about how that transition came around and some of the different projects that you're working on right now. Well, I knew that transition was going to come once once I went up to the CFL in the 2000 in 2010, man. Like, unless you're making that Tom Brady money or you got Peyton Manning money and you got Papa John's pizza commercials all over the place. 
then you're going to have to have some sort of job after football. You know, that's just that's that's just how it is. Most guys, you know. So when I was up there in the CFL, man, I got a really bad concussion one year. And uh, while I'm laying there on the field, and I'm just like, from now on, my mindset is life after football. How many years can I play up here to get the money, get the experiences, and, you know, get that underneath your – and how many more Grey Cups can I get? I want a Grey Cup up there. Um, how many more of those can I get? But I always told myself I wasn't going, going to be one of those guys who clings on to the game for trying to cling on to the game forever or try and be – 36, 37 years old out there still trying to play football. I told myself when the chance, when the time was right, I was going to put myself in the best opportunity to walk away from the game, and that's what I was doing during my off-seasons, coming out here to L.A., where I live now, and taking on-camera classes, you know, doing different you know, radio shows up there in, in Montreal to learn how to talk better, learn how to project better, learn how to uh, tell a story better. You know, just doing different things like that. And then, you know, I had an opportunity to be on a show called Hollywood Today Live without a contract. They told me in the middle of training camp, they were like, you know, you can come out here to L.A., no contract. If you make it, you make it. You know, if you don't, you don't. And I retired right after a two-a-day practice. Retired right there June eighth, two 2015. Retired right there on the spot. Came out here July thirteenth, two 2015. Uh, you know, has done some odd stuff, and the Giants gig came up. Now I do you know, Giants TV stuff. You see me take over the Snapchat during tailgates. I hang with fans, go on the road, do segments called Giants on the Road, which airs on MSG Networks, Giants First and Ten, and, uh, uh, Giants Access Blue, the TV shows. And now I'm on a morning show called Morning Dose TV, where I do all Hollywood and, and uh, Hollywood and celeb entertainment news here from L.A., hop on a flight Thursday or Friday, and then I'm out there to Jersey to, to do my giant stuff. So but I've just been working. I just left a, a really good audition at NBC Universal for a new uh, kids' TV uh, game show and stuff. I'm just, I'm just one of those guys that's hustling in this business. I understand that I don't have that big name from, from my football days where they're just going to give me an uh, NFL network job right away, so I'm creating my own niche. And you, you see that that – that the, this TV world is just like trying to make a 53-man roster in football. The more you can do, the better your chances are to making the team or making the cast or crew. Yeah, and not saying no. Like Every opportunity that, that's presented to you, you do your best to say yes and take advantage of it and, and make it work. And, and that was Michael Strahan who said the exact same thing. You just say yes to everything and everything else will fall into place. Well, it's funny because when I uh, when I first came out here to L.A., I was, you know, texting Strahan all the time. Texting, hey, man, can we meet? I just want to pick your brain. Can we meet? Can I pick your brain? This guy had me, he texted me late at night on a Saturday night one time and told me, meet me at the Beverly Hills Starbucks at 7 a.m. I was there like like 6.30, had napkins, everything in order, bought him a bagel, coffee, all that waiting for him. And we ended up having like a three-hour talk, something I thought was going to be like 30 minutes because he's real busy on his Sundays. We, we ended up having like a three-hour talk, and I was just like, look, man, I don't want anything from you. I don't want you to try and put me – I don't want you to give me an audition anywhere. I just put – tell me where to go to get better, to work my craft, to work. And he was just saying how, you know, because it was right when I got dropped from that TV show, that Hollywood Today Live TV show that I retired for, and I got dropped from it because they didn't think I was ready for live TV. And I was telling him, man, I made a bad decision and all. He was just like, look, man, you just got to start from the bottom, bro. He was like, there were times during his playing career where he was the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL, 
and he's doing radio shows and stuff in guys' basements just to get better at talking, just to get better on camera, comfortability on camera. So you got to, you know, there's a lot of guys that you can't Hollywood, Hollywood. You have to really put in the work to get better as an on-camera presenter or on-camera personality. And that's just, you know, that's just how it is in life. Brandon, one last question I have for you. And then, of course, you know, we're gonna, we have to, because we're becoming against the clock. Where can people find you social media-wise and your different projects online? Social media-wise, you can check me out at Brandon London TV on everything except Snapchat. I don't know how to change that. Still at <laughs> Cultured Athlete, and I also I'm on Xbox, uh, Madden, and FIFA at Cultured Athlete as well. If you guys want to get beaten that, because I do the Giants uh, Madden stuff, which we're you know we're trying to get things going with that. You can find my work. Make sure you guys check out if you can't uh, if you're not in the market for Morning Dose TV. Facebook.com slash Morning Dose TV. They live stream the TV show every every morning. And just keep checking me out on all giant, my segments on Giants First and Ten and uh, Giants Access Blue on the MSG Network. Brandon, man, thanks for coming on. This was fun. And, of course, yeah, you and I are trying to get this Madden thing off the ground. We're going to make that happen. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're going to make it happen. So <laughs> you guys get ready. And thanks, Randy, for having me on, bro. You got hey, it, man. Giants, Giants fans, Giants fans. Like, I know this is a bad time, and, you know, everyone's got their opinions and stuff, but this is one of those things where we still still rally around the team because, you know, things are imploding. You know, things aren't, 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 aren't looking good, but this is where the fans, I feel like, this is where the fans can still make this season, season somewhat pleasurable for ourselves if we stick together and, you know, just try and find the silver lining out of it instead of everyone bashing everybody. That's my two cents. Nah, listen, you're, you're right on the money, man. And we'll uh, listen. We'll, I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you during the week. And, let, and listen, be safe out there, okay? For sure, man. Take, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. All right, that was Brandon London, former New York Giant. Um, dude, he's such a nice guy. I talk with him every single time I'm at the stadium. And we, uh, we're trying to put a project together, which is going to be a lot of fun. And you guys are going to love it. Uh, all right, this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over at Level 1 Games in Pompton Plains, New Jersey, 615 Route 23 South, Pompton Plains, New Jersey, to be exact. Give them a call right now, 862-248-0456, or check them out at www.level1games.com. That's www.level1games.com. Go on in there, visit M, Cynthia, Tim, and Josh. Great guys. They have an unbelievable and Cynthia, of course. I'm sorry about that, Sin. And you, the unbelievable video game selection. You can relive your past and take your game to the next level at Level 1 Games. Again, that's 615 Route 23 South, Pompton Plains, New Jersey. 07444-862-248-0456. Level1games.com. Go there now. All right. So coming up in a little bit, we have Otis Livingston from CBS uh, New York. He was at the Yankee Cleveland game last night. Yankee fans are still uh, on top of the world because they are now playing the Houston Astros for an opportunity to go to the World Series. This was a team that did not have a high expectation level going into the year. I felt this is me, and there's a lot of people who heard me say it. I did not think they were going to beat the Indians. I thought this was going to be a four to five game series, but the experience that they that they were going to gain out of this was going to set them up for success for the longest time. Two zero one eight two five one two three four. If you want to join in the conversation, talking Yankee baseball, talking Giants football, and we're going to sprinkle a little NBA in here as well with Eric Webb coming up in a few minutes around seven ten. Otis Livingston at seven thirty. Ryan Mork, Yankee insider for Back Sports Page, going to join us too. 
lot to do, lot to do, lot to do. All right. So with that being said, let's take a quick music break, and we'll be right back here at WRPR 90.3 FM, Rampo College. Thank you very much for hosting us here back sports page and off topic. We'll be back in a few minutes with Ryan Morick.
right off topic back here, BackSportsPage.com. Proud to welcome in uh, our good friend, Ryan Morick, former WRPR, I guess, station manager, Superman, um, Yankee fan, Yankee enthusiast. Uh, Ryan, good night for you last night, my friend. How are well, you doing? I am uh, I'm doing pretty well. Last night was... Uh very good to me once my blood pressure went down. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, well, yeah, the blood pressure, uh, I think every Yankee fan felt it. I think every Yankee fan was going crazy last night. Look, CC Sabathia played great. He shouldn't be upset about the two runs he gave up. He, he, he pitched a gem for those first few innings. Yeah, he did. I mean, he set a postseason career high, nine strikeouts in four and a third innings, which is not easy. And, I mean, I understand why he got pulled. It stinks that he gets pulled when it's not necessarily his fault. But like we said last week, the Indians are obviously a very good team. They know how to put the bat on the ball. And even though they were pretty weak hits, CC unravels somewhat quickly. And then he had the top of the order in Francisco Lindor coming up. You're not going to have CC Sabathia, who doesn't throw 98 miles an hour anymore, face the Indians lineup a third time in a row. After he just let up two hits with one out, he was obviously losing at a drop. So, a good move by Joe Girardi. And then, what do you know? David Robertson gets Lindor to ground out into a double play, and there you go. The Indians don't score for the rest of the night. Ryan Mark, our Yankee insider, joining us here on Off Topic, BackSportsPage.com. So, look. So the Yankees move on to Houston, and it's exciting. You know, this is one of those exciting situations. You know, not to. You know, it's one of those situations now. You're, you're playing with house money, I guess. Is that the best way of saying it? I think that the division series definitely was, but now I think that a lot of people are looking at the Yankees and saying that they can beat Houston. I mean, you go into that Cleveland series and, and everyone's saying there's no shot that the Yankees I said four games. I'm not going to lie to you. I said it out loud. Yeah. I said the Yankees are going to go. If they win one game and they're in that Cleveland series, it's, it's a win and it's, you know, the experience that you're gaining is amazing. And instead, the Yankees come out there, they, they tied it too. And I think that as soon as that first home run by Didi, I think it took the crowd enough out of the game where people were just like, huh, are we going to get back in this thing? What's going on over here? I mean, I made the argument to – I just posted um, a new episode of the New York Group about 15 minutes ago. So if you want to go listen – um, I said to myself that you can argue, if you're the Indians, that this is more disappointing than them losing the World Series last year. And I think it's because last year's disappointment has carried over. But last year, I mean, even though that they blew a 3-1 lead, they needed one more win to win the World Series. Everyone this year knew that it was the Indians' year. You win 22 games in a row. You win 32 of your last 36 games. And then you go up 2 nothing to the Yankees, and then you lose the next... I mean, the, the Indians hadn't lost three in a row in three months. Yeah. And it was a bad time to lose three games. It was a terrible time for the Indians to have a three-game losing streak, and it certainly came out to be that way. Uh, for those uh, on Facebook Live right now, Ryan Mork, our Yankees insider, on the line with us right now. Go to one of my previous posts, click on the link, and check us out right now. So, Ryan... Let's preview the series against Houston. Houston is still a powerhouse team, and they're playing with heavy hearts down in Houston with all the situation that's gone down there in Texas this year with uh, the flooding and the bad weather and the hurricanes. This is a team that's going to. This is a, a fan base that's going to you know, rally around their team, and this is a team that's playing for their home t- their their home base here. The Yankees again. I still 
I, this is where you and I are going to disagree. I think the Yankees are playing with house money. Nobody expected them to get where they are. Why not? Let's ride this thing out, right? Let's ride it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you you can argue that they're playing with house money, yes, because they're not going to be favored in this series. I understand that, but uh, like you said, uh, the town of Houston. I mean, even let's talk about the Texans game. What was it? The, was it Sunday night? JJ Watt leaves the game. He's out for the season. People at the game were crying because of what J.J. Watt has done for Houston and the Texans and the state of Texas in general. How much money did it raise? $30 million for hurricane funds? Yeah. This team is going to be behind that. That crowd is going to be behind the Astros. Uh, but when you want to talk about skill, I think that if the Yankees split the first two games in Houston, I can really see this ending in five. I don't think the Yankees are going to lose a home game. Like you said with the Houston crowd, the Yankees crowd has been – just as good and that says a lot about the Yankees they feed off of that home crowd and I think the Indians lost all of their momentum after they lost those first two games uh, the, the, the second two games rather so I don't think home field advantage was exactly a thing yesterday because I kind of think that that home field was kind of just very nervous but if they split in Houston that Yankee Stadium crowd is going to be rocking like it was in the late 90s. We have Ryan Mark, our Yankee insider, joining us right now on Off Topic, courtesy of BackSportsPage.com. 201-825-1234 if you want to join the Yankee conversation. We're going to be talking about it for a little while. Otis Livingston of CBS, who was there last night in Cleveland, joining us around 730 to give us a little bit more insight of what it was like in the locker room uh, with the team. Okay, so now let's put, switch the topic right here, Ryan, to Aaron Judge. Yeah. Okay, this is a story that doesn't want to seem to go away. As electric as he is, seems to still struggle with multiple well, multiple strikeout games. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Judge's highs are very high, and his lows are very low. I think that this is a much easier fix than his slump in the season. I think that his shoulder was barking at him for six or seven weeks during the regular season. I think this year she was just trying to hit a home run every single pitch. And that's not how – I mean, I've always said the batter's box is the stupidest place on earth. You forget about everything you ever learned once you step up in the batter's box. And I've always said this about Aaron Judge, too. When you can do something miraculous with the baseball, you tend to try to do it a lot. To take it like – I mean, I've said it on the New York Groove a hundred times. If I want to, I can hit a golf ball 350 yards. It doesn't always work out that way, but I can do it. And I think Aaron Judge is trying to do that, but the Yankees are not going to get away with Aaron Judge struggling again. He is arguably the American League MVP. You can make the argument that the Astros have a better offensive lineup than the Indians do. Eventually, the Yankees pitching is going to bite them. And I understand that the pitching did their job, but now you go from a five-game series to a seven-game series, they're not going to survive if Aaron Judge can't hit the baseball. They survived once. They can't get that lucky again. Ryan, last couple questions here. Um, again, Ryan Morick, our Yankees insider. So tell us what else he did last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Derek Jeter held his uh, annual Turn 2 Foundation dinner. Uh, a very fun event. Mariano Rivera was there. Tino Martinez was there. The entire Jeter family was there, obviously. Uh, a lot of fun to be at, and he, when Derek Jeter retired, he said that he wanted to do 
a lot of philanthropic work, and he's been really involved with that. He's been very involved with the Players' Tribune. And I, I talked to him about it. I said, I got to ask him, you've had a big year this year. You have a baby. You got your number retired. You are now a part owner of the Marlins, something that you always wanted to do. Where does this rank? And he said that there's almost nothing better than, I mean, he also has his Jeter Leaders program. Every kid that he's ever had in the program has graduated high school and gone off to college 100%. So he's very happy with the work he's done. I talked to Tino Martinez. I asked him about it. He said when he, fa- when he founded the foundation, he didn't imagine this. I mean, Jeter told me that he raised about $20,000 his first year. Last night they raised a million dollars for the foundation, and he never expected that. See, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, Ryan, real quick, let's plug the, let's plug the podcast. Let's, what was that? Let's plug the podcast. Yes. Uh, New York Groove, go on SoundCloud. It was just posted about, I don't know, about 15, 20 minutes ago. All right. Nice, uh, a nice preview of the championship series, a uh, bit of a recap of last night. And, again, I talked about Aaron Judge and how he needs to start hitting. I talked about the starting rotation, and I also talked about Matt Holliday. The Yankees essentially won that series against Cleveland with the 24-man roster. Matt Holliday did not see the lineup, so his future is definitely in question as a New York Yankee, uh, and his near future is definitely in question. All right, Ryan, so if I had to say Yankees versus Astros, how many games and who's winning? Like I said, if the Yankees split, they win in five. If the Yankees split in Houston, they win in five. I don't think they're going to lose a home game at all. I think the crowd is going to be behind this team 100%. I just The Yankees have proven one thing this year. They don't quit. They've had a lot of downs this year. Even when they were arguably the best team in baseball, they became the worst team in baseball. When Aaron Judge had his struggles, he came back and put himself right back in the MVP conversation. One thing about this Yankee team is that they don't quit. I just I don't see a scenario in which, I mean, this might be the Yankee fan in me, and it probably is. I just don't see any scenario in which the Astros win this series. I mean, we talked about one thing, experience. The experience argument goes out the window. The Yankees are 4-0 in elimination games. What more experience could you possibly want if you're the Yankees? You don't need any more. All right. Well, listen. We'll see what happens with the uh, with the New York football. Oh, it's not the New York. I was going to say the New York football Giants. No one, no one wants to see what's going to happen now with the New York football no, Giants. <laughs> That's an no, ugly man. situation. We 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 talked plenty about that earlier with Brandon London, as well as um, you know James Cratch earlier from NJ.com. Uh, if you missed the show earlier today, the. New York football giants. <laughs> well, I don't know what to do with them anymore. And uh, so that right now, everyone's clutching onto the Yankees. And of course, football fans are going to say the New York Jets are the best team in uh, in New York for football. But say la vie. Let's let's be realistic, folks. This is uh, a aberration of what both teams really are. The Giants are not this bad, and the Jets are not that good. So, Ryan, thank you so very much. I always appreciate it, and uh, we'll hope, hopefully get you back in the studio here next week. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. I'll you talk got, to you later. You got it, brother. Go Yanks. Yes, sir. That was Ryan Mork, our Yankee insider here on uh, Off Topic, courtesy of BackSportsPage.com. Hey, listen, this portion of the program is brought to you by Guerrilla Martial Arts Academy in Caldwell, New Jersey, 373 Bloomfield Avenue, to be exact, in Caldwell, New Jersey. Call them right now, 973-228-3424, 973-228-3424, or go to com. Guerrilla Martial Arts Academy, you are not joining a fighting school 
or a martial arts academy, you are joining a family. That is correct, and that's what the real deal is. I've been there. I've done it. It's awesome. I promise you will uh, enjoy it like you've never had before. So we're getting ready to jump into some NBA before we go back into uh, – before we jump back into baseball, Eric Webb from the Web Report, courtesy of VaxSportsPay.com. Eric, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How you guys doing? It's not us. It's just me. Uh, <laughs> it's just me. Only me in the studio today. We've got some empty chairs. If you're on Facebook Live right now, you see some empty chairs across the way from me. But that's okay. I thought you were coming up to visit me uh, tonight, Eric. I thought this was the night that we got you in the studio, but I guess I failed. Uh, so let's let's Hi. take a look a little let's take a look a little into this NBA preseason here. Uh, I'm a firm believer of I love the depth of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, are they going to be the best team? I don't know if they're going to be the overall best record in the NBA, but they're certainly going to be the deepest. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's going to be a great year, but like I, I've been criticizing the Cavs for a while now in terms of their bench usage. Bench usage. I think their depth will go out the window if they don't use their bench. I mean, they've got to do that, especially now with as many players as they have for guys to stay fresh and have a good rotation going. They have to use their bench much like the Spurs do. I mean, we know how the Spurs are. They're kind of like the, the Patriots of the NBA in the sense that they have a system. And, you know, every guy on that roster feels important. So if they can do that, I think no one can even take, no one can take them down, I don't think, even the Warriors. But we'll see how that goes. Okay, speaking of the Warriors, uh, what are we looking at this year right now? Like how many wins do I think the Warriors Yeah, let's, let's, let's play that game with you. I like playing that game with you. It's a fun game to play. <laughs> That's a very fun game to play right now with you when you're uh, when you're talking about the Golden State Warriors. What do you got? Last year they went sixty-seven and fifteen, so I'm I I wouldn't be surprised if they did the same. You sure? Because the teams in the Western Conference got better. I think a lot of the teams got better. I think uh, obviously Oklahoma City got better, so I think maybe maybe you can get maybe one or two wins from them. I, I don't know how much better Houston got because as much as their 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 backcourt improved. I, their front court, their front court got worse. Yeah, I would agree. So I didn't take that into account. Yeah, the West did get deeper, as we all know. So maybe around sixty-one games going. <laughs> oh, so you're you're taking away six games. You're yeah. you're you're all you're all heart. Yeah. <laughs> you're all heart. Okay, so this is not going to be as good as everyone thinks they will be. I don't think. No, they're not going to be because they have a. They're like I said, their front court is a mess. You got yeah. Nene and Ryan Anderson. They're not winning many games. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and also Minnesota's gotten better. Um, I think San Antonio's gotten better with Rudy Gay joining the joining the fray over there, getting some more scoring. I know he's not going to be ready right away, but once he's healthy, he's going to he's going to help. He's going to be very very big with them. Yeah, I agree. I'm very excited to see how the Timberwolves do. Just as much as I'm excited to see how the um, Sixers do this year, I think both teams are going to you know turn the corner and have really good seasons, and not only make it into the playoffs, but potentially make it into the second round. Okay, so you just mentioned the Philadelphia 76ers. Let's talk about it right here, okay? Uh, Abid got the big extension. They signed J.J. Redick. By the way, I'm living in a world where J.J. Redick got $24 million. What is wrong with this picture? Um, I mean, everybody's getting that money now. And I think especially like what they have going on there. I'm not getting that money. <laughs> yeah, me either, but. <laughs> I want $24 million. I wouldn't have half the problems I have right now if I had $24 million. See, what we have to do is we have to take, you know, go to another conference and then maybe we'll get that money. That's the thing. We're in the yeah, wrong market right now. Yeah, yeah. No, it, you know, it's like, my, it's like my, 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 my mother said to my brother about playing football. You tell me how many, uh, 
active Jewish players there are right now in sports, and then I can play. And you know, and the the, the answer to that is they're not the players; they're the agents. <laughs> so there, right. so okay. there it is. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Sixers are going to have an exciting year. I mean, I want Embiid to stay healthy. Obviously, I mean, he's got that extension. I hope he's worth it. But, um, you know, the guy, he's, he's a good he's a character. You know, the guys in the left locker room like him. The coaches like him. So, I think, you know, I want to see him do well and put together a healthy season where he plays at least 60, 65 games. Um, so, yeah, they have him. They have Redick. Obviously, Ben Simmons, I want him to stay healthy. They have Fultz, who's been injured. Um, yeah, I mean, I think their future is bright for right now. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think uh, the Philadelphia 76ers definitely a fun team to watch. Eric Webb from BackSportsPage.com joining us right now, 201-825-1234, if you want to jump in the NBA conversation. All right, so, Eric, let's uh, let's do one or two more teams here. Uh, people are going to keep an eye on the Boston Celtics. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I don't think they're very deep. I think they gave away too much in that trade to Cleveland, and I also think this is one of the first times I've ever seen the number one and number two seeds in the Eastern Conference make a trade with each other. Yeah. This is definitely the start of something new where teams are going to make trades that seem desperate just to win right now, especially with all the super teams happening. And, uh, yeah, I think the Celtics definitely didn't get the short end of that trade. But, you know, Danny Age made that decision. He thought it was the right idea. So it is what it is, right? And, Danny, you trust? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the Celtics' biggest problem is they just don't have the depth. Um, you know, if let's if Hayward goes down or Horford go down or even Kyrie goes down, I think you have a big issue, and I think that's uh, I think that's what the big the big problem is going to be. And uh, I, I just don't see the Boston Celtics. I just don't see the Boston Celtics winning. That's just it's not against them. It's just the truth. I, I think it's one of those things. Um, no, exactly. Even like even before they did the trade, I didn't see the Celtics getting past them. Even after the trade, I still don't see any team LeBron's on. But especially when you get deep like that. You're just not going to get past them. It is what it is. I mean, it may at best go to like a game seven, but I don't think you know LeBron's going to let that happen. Where you know they even get to a game seven, let alone get beat and not go to the finals. And and let's talk about the elephant in the room that Dwayne Wade took the buyout to be with LeBron. And not only that, the best part about that is is Wade is a guy who can drag LeBron back into whatever funk LeBron might be getting into. So with that being said, it's one of those things for me that. Wade is the guy who's going to be the X factor because he also, you don't have to worry. Kyrie was a guy who was hitting clutch shot after clutch shot for uh, for Cleveland. Dwayne Wade will be that guy. You don't need Dwayne Wade to play with the exception of the final two minutes of this game of the games. Yeah, I agree. And just the you know the comfortability they have with each, have with, with each other, it's going to show in those clutch moments. It's going to be a good locker room presence. Hopefully, this whole you know Jr. being you know perturbed about him coming off the bench. Hopefully that doesn't last long and they realize what's important and that's winning. And it's you know, it's not like a funk that's like you know, lingering over the team. But um yeah, I agree. Them playing together, I think good things are gonna happen, obviously. And yeah, they don't have I wouldn't run him into the ground like as far as minutes are concerned because you obviously need him come playoff time. And you have enough and you have enough depth for it too. You have guys like J.R. Smith, you have guys on the bench you can play. You can actually put Derek Rose and Isaiah Thomas on the court together for one two punch. So you have the guys for it. And you also have Kyle Corver as well. Definitely. And I love how, you know, I think Corbin's going to be more effective this year because a lot of times, you know, guys coming in midway through the season, they never get, like, used to the flow of the offense, no matter how much they like to make it seem so. They never really do. So I'm glad Corbin's, you know, re-signed with the team. You know, he'll be here all season. So he'll feel more comfortable in his role. I mean, we saw this, you know, with Kevin Love go from his first year with the Cavs to the second, the jump he made. So I think that's going to happen. And speaking of Love, you know, I'm glad that he's playing at the five now because I think we're going to see 
closer to what we saw with him in Minnesota. In addition, in addition to that, like everybody's doing small ball now because they're trying to keep up with the Warriors. So him playing at the five, Tristan coming off the bench, I think that's great because that's how he got his current contract that he's on. And, you know, he can't just have another year where in the finals in the first few games he gets eight points and four rebounds. That just can't happen. So he's going to play harder, I think. He even said he's trying to get six man a year. So I want to see what that turns into. All right, Eric Webb from the Web Report. I appreciate you uh, giving a shot. We have a lot of things coming up for you. <laughs> so don't, guys, stay tuned. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I know you're ready. You've been ready for a long time, my friend. I gotta, I gotta come through for you. So, uh, Eric Webb, listen. Let everybody know where they can find you, my friend. EwebBSP on Twitter. All right, so Eric. Listen, by the way, next week you're not off the hook. You got to be in that chair. You got to be in that chair across the way from me next next week. I'll try to make it. I'll let you know. All right, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always, always. Eric Webb from uh, BackSportsPage.com joining the show. We're talking a little NBA. We're going to dive back into the Yankees and the NFL, of course. Uh, I have to do my NFL picks. We, you know, we, Again, nobody here in the studio with me. Everyone abandoned me. Uh, poor, poor little Randy. Everybody abandoned me, but we're still going to do NFL picks coming up. Uh, also coming up, Otis Livingston from CBS Sports uh, New York here. He was at uh, Cleveland last night for the Yankee game. We're going to get his reaction, what it was there for, like on the field. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Tanaka gets the opening, uh, you know, he gets game one. It's going to be a lot of fun for all the Yankee fans out there. It's going to be a lot of fun for all Yankee fans. You're playing with house money. Let me know how it feels. Also, okay, so far, NFL picks. Let's jump into it. By the way, big piece of NFL news. If you are a Dallas Cowboy fan, you are not happy about this. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Six games. The struggling Cowboys lose their wide receiver. Uh, and the NFL says he goes, he, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott's suspension is effective immediately, meaning he could, couldn't go to practice if the Cowboys had one tomorrow. He, he would be eligible to return to the team November 24th, the day after the Dallas Cowboys game against the Chargers. So Elliott is officially out of the Cowboys lineup. His suspension is back on. Um, you know what? I said this before, I don't want to make this a political show or a show that has to be where players, you know, we start talking about their, their behavior off the field. It's one of those things where people know, doesn't matter how what age they are, they know what right and wrong is. You know what you're doing is right or wrong. So if you know that, then what are you doing? Elliot's conduct and behavior has been terrible since he, since he was in college. Now he is... His suspension is back on. If you were a Giant fan, you were hoping that it would have been there for week one. But it's not. So now the Cowboys who are struggling right now, the Cowboys who I believe, I'm taking a look on where they are this week in the pecking order. Uh, looks like they are the – they are off this week. This is a bye week for them. So – the Cowboys luck out by not having to worry about Ezekiel Elliott this week, but now for the future and going forward, they do not have him. Okay, so where to start now with our NFL picks? I have nobody here to go against me, so I guess what I have to say goes. So I'm going to pick a couple games here. I'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles tonight against the Carolina Panthers. Look, Philadelphia last year started the season 3-2. and two. They're 4-1 and one this year within the first five games. This is a game where the Carolina Panthers are starting to look like the Carolina Panthers again. Cam Newton looks like the Super Bowl winning quarterback he was two years ago. And this team is starting to find their groove again. Both teams 4-1, and one, playing in Carolina. I, I just think that Carolina is more of a defensive 
hard knock team than Philadelphia is. I'm, I don't trust Philly's defense totally. I'm not going to give you a spread. I'm not going to give you a score. I'm just picking Carolina over Philadelphia. That's how I do it. All right, we're not going to go San Francisco, Washington. That's a two two team versus zero and five team. Uh, not going Baltimore, Chicago. Oh, wow, there's some really crummy games this week. Atlanta and Miami. No, that's a possibility. We'll go there. Let's go Green Bay, Minnesota. All right, so. Green Bay, Minnesota. The Minnesota Minnesota Vikings trying to figure out this quarterback situation. Lost Sam Bradford yet again to more injuries. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is not ready to come back. It's just one of those situations where they're still sort of falling apart. Green Bay on fire. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it kills me to give Aaron Rodgers a compliment, but I'm going to do it anyway. Aaron Rodgers is the best. I have to say it with like grinding my teeth. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL, and I hate, me, hate, hate saying it. But Aaron Rodgers is the uh, best quarterback in the NFL. I picture them going 5-1 and one to start this season this week. All right. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 hosting the New England Patriots. I Can this be the year that the Jets get past the Patriots? I, this could be a situation where we get there. It would be very interesting to see. Um, I'm not holding my breath. Brady sees green and he sees red. So I think that at the end of the day, the, the uh, Patriots defeat the Jets. It's going to happen over at MetLife Stadium. All right. Four o'clock games. Jacksonville Jaguars host the Rams. Both teams three and two. Should be a fun game. Jacksonville's playing extremely well lately. Rams, again, nobody expected much from them, and they're giving it to us, everything they have. Uh, go home team on this one. I picture the, I can picture Jacksonville beating the Rams. I'm going to say like more of like a 21-14 type of game. Okay, what do we got here? Uh, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. I, you know, that should be the Sunday night game. If they were able to flex the Giants out right now, that would be amazing because the Giants are 0-5 playing a 3-1 Denver team on Sunday night football. Not a good thing. Kansas City playing Pittsburgh. Uh, something's up with Big Ben. I don't know what it is. Big Ben's got to sort of get it together. Team's still struggling. 3-2. and two. Kansas City on fire right now. Can't picture a, uh, a home loss to Kansas City right now. Picture Kansas City defeating Pittsburgh. Uh, as the last game at the 425 slot on Sunday. All right. Uh, I'm going to pick the Giant game because it's us. Look, Giants, maybe something could – this will be the upset of the century for me right now. The way the Giants played, they have not really looked like a uh, anything like a football team. Maybe Alabama could come out and beat the Giants right now. They play Denver. Denver, I picture them winning uh, maybe 28-14. It's, it's ugly, Giants fans, and I'm sorry to say it. It's just really, really, really ugly. All right, Facebook Live. We're going to be signing off here in about a minute because uh, we have uh, Otis Livingston who's going to discuss the Yankees-Indians game. Real quick, going to hit the headlines here. Again, the Yankees just before announced that Tanaka is going to be uh, pitching cool against Kuzel in game one. Um, Michael Jordan, of course, making news today, announcing that super teams mean 28 garbage teams. I can't agree with Michael Moore. And that's that's just how I feel about that. All right, 201-825-1234, Have a few minutes before Otis Livingston in. Feel free to give us a call back so we can uh, so you can join the conversation. Really would love to hear from you. A lot of fun to have you, everybody with us. Special thanks to Ryan Moore. Special thanks to Brandon London, and of course, special thanks to James Cratch for calling in. Um, so it's all you know, it's all gravy right now. If you're if you're a sports fan. This is what you want, man. You're a New York sports fan. Every team is in play right now. Every team is in play. The Yankees, the Yankees are playing. The Mets are not. 
The Yankees are playing. Knicks and Nets are doing the preseason thing right now. Devils, Rangers, and Islanders rocking the house of, of, of the ice. And, of course, you have football. Now, again, all the sports are going. It doesn't mean that all the teams are playing well. If you're a New York sports fan, who, you know, what is your general feeling right now? Our Facebook question was about the Yankees. Do the Yankees have enough firepower for the World Series? I'll give you my final thoughts later on in the show. Uh, we're going to expect Danielle McCartan to join us in a few minutes as well from BackSportsPage.com. It's Pro Sports Rundown. Uh, in fact, that might be her right there. Off topic, this is Randy from BackSports Page. Hey, Randy, it's Danielle. Uh, Danielle McCartan joining us here for a quick couple minutes before Otis Livingston joins the show as well. So the, the queen of pro sports rundown is joining us. She is also one of the voices. Officially, we can announce this now, right? One of the official voices of Princeton women's basketball? Not yet. I haven't made my announcement yet, Randy. Oh, okay. Sorry, so I shouldn't that on the air. My bad. All right. So, <laughs> sorry about that. No, sorry, don't worry. Okay. So, so you're a Yankee fan. You're a Jet fan. You must be in heaven right now that both of your teams are actually uh, <laughs> both uh, both like in heaven, like actually playing well right now, right? Well, Yankees, yeah, but but Jets, I mean, they can't even tank right. I mean, really? <laughs> so not really. <laughs> Listen, you want to learn? You want to learn how to tank? You do it the giant way, okay? Oh my God, what <laughs> an abomination that's going on there! What the turmoil that is surrounding that team after these injuries and everything—it's just like really shaking your head because these teams, these this team is supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. at the beginning of this season. But remember, you and I were at training camp the one day. And we're just like, we're like, we cannot wait for all this. We cannot wait for all this, and then yeah. it's like. Oh God! It's and the, the the wheels have fallen off the giant wagon for for the year. I I don't think I think the wagon is permanently broken. <laughs> well, so some change needs to be happen there, and they need to do a humongous shakeup. If you ask me. Yeah, I you know we were we had James Cratch on from NJA.com earlier in the show, and Brandon London, who's uh, you know a former player who's involved with the team as well. And it's it's hard because you want to see where the root of the problem is. I think the root of the problem, me personally, is Jerry Reese. I think at this point in time, I don't think you can let him go without letting Ben McAdoo go. And I'm listening. I'm reading the transcripts that McAdoo is is saying to the media. It's it's, it's becoming very volatile between McAdoo and the media. Um, look, at the end of the day, the, with this team, like you said, it's a Super Bowl caliber team that on paper. And the whole thing starts with the offensive line. Now, I understand against Dallas, you did not have Odell Beckham Jr. But I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. would have saved them that game. Listen, I to the, to the offensive line point, you know, we did mock drafts and everything, you know, when it was draft time. The number one concern for me for the New York Giants, especially after watching them lose to the Packers in the playoffs, was the offensive line. There was no doubt in my mind they were going to be taking an offensive lineman high, high in this draft. Uh, when you look at my, the guy that I wanted to go to the Giants was, was uh, Forrest Lamp. Uh, and, you know, he could play both sides of the ball, both sides of the line. And that's what the Giants need. You know, Eric Flowers plays patty cake with every single guy that, that runs by him. I mean, this offensive line is atrocious. It was, it was last year. And I think Jerry Reese should be held 100% accountable for it because he failed to address it. At, at last year's draft, uh, in free agency, nothing. He made no moves on that offensive line. And for that, his job needs to go. And I was calling for his job way back, after, right after the draft. Uh, it, was, it was an abominable draft for that team. And not to mention, I, I mean, I like having Ingram. I think he's a weapon. I think he's underutilized in that offense. But I think the Giants should have gone with more of a blocking tight end, knowing their offensive line struggles. 
Yeah, and I said this to James before. I, I like the shiny toys that Eli had to play with, but if he has doesn't have the time to play with the toys, they're not they're not really good toys to have. <laughs> and when he spends more time on the ground than actually, you know, running the offense, you got a problem there. Danielle McCartan from Pro Sports Rundown and BackSportsPage.com. Joining me here, Danielle, I'm against the clock because our good friend Otis Livingston is ready to go with us to talk a little Yankee baseball. One last prediction from you, Yankees and Astros. How many games? Uh, I think it's going distance. I'm going to say, oh, God, my heart wants to say Yankees, but I think my head's saying Astros in sevens. Uh, Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. Series starts, I believe, yeah, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yeah. All right, Danielle. Danielle, are you back? Are you back on air this week? I think yeah. I think I'm going to start up on Sunday. I finally have caught my breath and uh, see you Sunday at eleven. All right, uh, sixty minute overtime here, uh, WRPR, uh, BackSportsPage.com, and of course Pro Sports Rundown. Danielle, thanks for a few minutes tonight. I appreciate it. Hey, Randy, no problem. And say hi to Otis for me. Well, do. Oh, he's he's listening. So all right. Well, oh, hey Otis, how you doing? <laughs> well, right. thanks, Danielle. All right, bye. Bye. Doing great. You see, you see, you see, Otis. Everybody loves you. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Otis, how's everything going? Otis Livingston joining us here on Off Topic, courtesy of BackSportsPage.com. Otis, so I, I I'm going to ask you if you can let me borrow some frequent flyer miles because when I follow you on Facebook and follow you on TV, you seem to be everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving around, but you know what's funny is I don't get any of those frequent flyer miles. <laughs> I'm traveling with the Jets on their charter flight, so we don't get any miles for that, even though we went to Oakland, uh, up to Buffalo, to Cleveland. Um, so, yeah, I haven't gotten any frequent flyer miles myself, but I would loan you some if I could. Nick, I, listen, I really appreciate that. And, <laughs> uh, and I, I, I guess where to start is the Yankees, and I believe you were there last night, correct? Yes, I was. Okay, talk to me. Talk to me now about, A, the game, the intensity of the game, and then, I guess, the celebration after the game. So I guess we'll just go through the three phases of that question. So we'll start from talk about the actual game, the buildup. It seemed like that first home run took the crowd right out of it. It certainly did. You know, and, and before the game, I was doing my live shots, and I was talking to some uh, you know, of the locals, and they were saying that, there's no way that C.C. Sabathia is going to pitch the way he did in Game 2, and there's no way that Corey Kluber was going to pitch the way he did in Game 2 because it was a rematch of that pitching matchup last night. And uh, I kept saying, well, it could happen, you know, because C.C.'s a big game pitcher. And lo and behold, the, the Yankees were able to get the Kluber early, got him out of there. Um, so they pretty much dominated him in the two appearances in the postseason, and he's like the Cy Young uh, favorite uh, to win that award this year. So once Didi hit that home run, yeah, it got really quiet. Of course, you know, it's early, first inning, so the, the, the uh, emotion built back up in the crowd. Um, and then he hit another home run, a two-run home run this time, and that was like, oh, boy, here we go. And that, kind of, <laughs> that chased them. So, uh, yeah, they, they were able to take them out um, as far as, their impact in the game. Um, they were still there, and, and, and after they got those two runs off CC, <clears throat> later on in the game you could feel that, okay, this is that team that won 102 games in the regular season. This is that team that had that heck of a, a winning streak during the regular season. So it's not going to be easy, but uh, the Yankees were able to pull it out. And if, can you talk about the celebration after the game? You were there. You, know, you covered it. Uh, what was it like? Uh, it was incredible. You know, and this one was – was more special, and, and, and having covered the Yankees, I've had the 
honor and pleasure of covering a lot of their postseason celebrations. Also, the Mets, when they recently were in the World Series, you know, the, after every round, there's a celebration, you know, and some people criticize it like, you haven't won the whole thing yet, so why are you popping champagne and then doing all that kind of stuff? It is quite an accomplishment just to advance. And you can feel it, especially for this team. Let's not forget, before the season, they weren't even thought of as a playoff contender. Right. They were thought to be a year away. So for them to do everything that they did in the regular season, win that wild card game, that's the fourth elimination game in the last nine, game, nine days that they've been able to win. For a young team, that's pretty darn good, and that's given them even more experience, but yet – experience for next year, but we're not done with this year. So you could feel that in that celebration, that's what that was all about. Like, wow, we were able to do it, and especially after game two when Joe Girardi came under so much fire for not reviewing that, you know, getting a replay for that uh, controversial call uh, where it hit the bat, and instead of getting the review, the replay, you know, he didn't do it. They got a bases-loaded situation via the walk, hit by pitch, and then a grand slam followed, and the rest was history. But the Yankees were able to rally around Joe Girardi, and that was a lot of the emotion, a lot of the talk in the clubhouse after the game. We talked about Aaron Judge earlier in the show about mm. his ups, ups and downs. He's going to be a bona fide star for this team. He's going to be an eventual yeah. leader of this team. Yeah. Do you think that there's too much being made of the strikeout situation? Because he is a rookie, and so he's still at the learning phase of this. I, I think with the great season that he's had, though, you know, a lot of that, – that, that's the thing about it. Okay, we already talked about it. Before the season, the expectations were low, right? Right, exactly. But once they, the Yankees got off to that great start, now all of a sudden the expectations are so high. But they still should be tempered, you know what I mean, that you can't sustain that. So when he had that great first half and he struggled coming out of the blocks after the home run derby and the All-Star game, you know, that's kind of to be expected. You know, he is a rookie. He's going to have – uh, have to make even more adjustments as he goes along, you know. He did it last year when he first call, came up. He had a couple home runs, and he was he was going to be a star. They had to send him back down because he was striking out last season, 2016. So for him to go through that again and then finish so strong, yeah, that that's him being making adjustments. Now we're going through another period where they're 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 attacking him a certain way and he's not being able to catch up with the pitches, and he's striking out looking, he's striking out. But that's part of the game. That's part of that learning curve. So covering the Jets and then also covering the Yankees, for you, what is one of the more, what's some of the more exciting moments that you've been able to cover during the, your, sports, uh, co- you know, your sports media career? Um, as, as far as the Yankees, I mean, the, the world championships, man, the, the Jeters, the, the Marianos, the, you know, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, Bernie Williams, all those guys, you know, and now to see that situation kind of turn over, you know, now there's some new blood that's in there. Didi Gregorius is having a great Yankee career that's going kind of quiet, you know. Um, he's not making people totally forget about Derek Jeter, but, man, has he filled in admirably, both in the field. You know, that's an upgrade, and at the plate he's showing that he's going to be, that he's a clutch player, you know. So that's that's been fun. Also, you know, covering the Mets when they went to the World Series just a couple years ago, that was pretty incredible because, you know, they've, they've always felt like they were kind of like the stepchild, you know, um, little brother in New York. And for them to be able to do it and, and to finally realize that pitching, you know, the young pitching, those arms can help get 
to the World Series. Of course, now they've taken a couple steps back because of injuries to the pitching staff. But that was fun to do as well. I mean, it's, I, I, I've been blessed, man. I've been able to see a lot of really cool things. You know, even in, early in my career, when I was in Rockford, Illinois, um, that's 60 miles west of Chicago. I got to cover Jordan's second three. So I, that was a lot of fun. You want to talk about oh, wow. stars? Yeah, you had Rodman and Pippen and all the coach and all those guys. I mean, that was that was and that was my first year and a half in um, in Rockford, Illinois. I got to cover the majority of that, a, a, a little bit of that run. You know, it's funny too. You say that. You know, that was like super Hollywood. If you like, I guess I don't know how you compare that to now, but that that Chicago Bull team, that was yeah. must see TV. Yeah. Every single night. And, no, it was incredible. Yeah. and Incredible. And what I loved about that team, too, and, like, I grew up a Nets fan, so obviously, you know, growing, yeah. up, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, well, you, you, were, you were a Nets fan, you watched the Nets, and when the playoffs come around, you had to find another team. So that's Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and sometimes during the regular season, when you were watching the Nets, you were watching for that other team. Too, but, <laughs> you know, because that's what happens a lot of times with the Nick games. You know, they sell out all the time. But I think a lot of the folks are there to see who's coming to town, the LeBron James, the other stars from the other NBA teams. Do you find it interesting being in New York, the New York market, that every type of every team has an up and down span? The Yankees had an up and down span, even though you know a Yankee up and down span is still fi- finishing over five hundred, but just missing the playoffs by a couple of games. But the Mets, yeah, yeah. the Mets are you know have an up and down uh, span. The Giants and the Jets have up and down spans. The three yeah. hockey teams, yeah. the Knicks yeah. have just not had that. The Knicks have just can't don't seem like they can get out of their own way. Now you've been covering sports for a long time. It seems like that's the real team in New York that just can't get out of its own way. No, you're right. I mean they've been down. I mean you know it, it's funny because as far as basketball goes, of course it's a Nick town, but man, they haven't had any success in a while. You know, and I think it, a lot of it started with the Patrick Ewing situation. Instead of just letting him stay here, retire as a Nick, and rebuilding from there. They tried to, you know, put little band-aids on it. You know, they sent them away and they got bad contracts, which led to taking on other bad contracts and trading in, you know. So before you know it, you're five, six, seven years later and you still haven't done anything because you're trying to get rid of these bad contracts or, or just players that you have that aren't as good as the ones that should be here in New York. So a lot of that has been mismanagement, of course, and like I said, I, I just think that it started with that Patrick Ewing situation. Now, lately, just hasn't been that much talent. There hasn't been a whole lot of really good free agents that have come here, you know. That's, that's the bottom line, and now they, they've run Carmelo Anthony out of town, and we'll see what he can do in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, I just don't know if I agree with that whole, you got to have a winner on the court. we got to always be chasing that. Instead of just doing it the right way and rebuild, people will, if, if you're honest with them and you say, yeah, we're rebuilding right now, you may take a little bit of a hit, but I think the true fans will stick around and say, okay, let's see what these guys can do. You know, if you have the right managers in and guys that you can trust. But the fact that they've been tra- chasing that every year and, ha- and just basically been spinning their wheels, that's why they're in the situation they're in today. And the funny thing is, they've won a total of two playoff series since two thousand one. Incredible! That's Incredible. it's it's absolutely terrible. And the Nets have had, the Nets have had more success since that in that period. Yeah, that that's really the head scratcher too, though. 
you know, and that and they're trying to deal with their own little situation too. Cause they mortgaged a feature uh, for that uh, Boston Celtics trade that really didn't bear any fruit. You know, the bringing in uh, Paul, aging Paul Pierce, aging uh, Kevin Garnett, uh, um, uh, Jason Terry. You know, so they were trying to make a quick fix too, and it set them back a few years. So we got D'Angelo Russell here now. Uh, hopefully he's a guy who's had a little bit of humble pie after after a few years in Los Angeles. Um, overall number two pick in the draft, so he's trying to resurrect his career, you know, and hopefully he can become the leader that a lot of people feel that he can become. Now let's talk about you a little bit um, as far as your career. How did you find yourself wanting to get into the broadcasting industry? Oh, man, when I was growing up in, uh, in Los Angeles, I was fortunate enough to have guys like uh, – Vince Gully with the Dodgers, Chick Hearn with the Lakers, some of the local talent that uh, was on the news, uh, and I watched TV a lot when I was growing up so and listened to the radio, so I was bitten by the bug early. You know, I played basketball, I played football, I played all the sports, but, you know, I, I always said, you know, if I could get an opportunity, I'd love to go into that, that field um, just because of those guys, you know, because to be able to do what we do, what you do as well, you know, on the radio or whatever medium you're in, it's it's pretty cool, you know, and to be you know look at what we've just talked about in the first five minutes of this interview, just the, the things that I've been able to cover, you know, a lot of people would trade their lives, their 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 careers for that, you know, and I'm just blessed and not, and grateful to have you know been put in this situation and, and uh, kind of having the talent to be able to do it, um, the hard work because as you know it is hard work, you know, you got to study, you got to. You got to knock on doors. You got to do a lot of different things to to prosper in this business. So um, I feel like I'm I'm always still learning. Um, I feel like uh, I'm always still growing in this profession. I was I always laugh a little bit when I um, I'm sitting in the Giants press box or I'm I'm at a practice or something of that. And exactly what you just said, you f- you feel like you're almost sometimes you almost have to pinch yourself of what you're doing. <laughs> Because, yep. because you're yep. like, I. What am I doing here? I'm. <laughs> you, you know. no, you're exactly right. I mean, last night talking to Aaron Judge. I mean, not even interviewing him, just talking a little bit. You know, just just off the, uh, just talking. You know what I mean? And, and and it had nothing to do with the microphone. It's just talking to another person, another man who happens to be a ginormous man um, with some, <laughs> some uh, very special skills. You know, he's struggling right now, but. You know, I've been able to chit chat with Shaq, you know, Jordan, all those guys, and 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 like I said, sometimes you you do you have to pinch yourself. Um, but we're blessed, and we're trying to take advantage of it, both you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'll tell you this story, and it's to me, it's still one of my favorite stories of all time. Um, mm-hmm. My first day as an intern with the New Jersey Nets, I did the PR side. So I so I, right. I, I understand both sides of the spectrum when it comes to the sports industry. There's the media and then there's the guys who have to handle the media. So Yeah. And so I, I always know to be nice to everybody on both sides. But my first day was Michael Jordan's last visit to the Meadowlands. Oh wow. And I grew up a huge Jordan fan and so I had to go uh-huh. into the I had to go into the locker room like the interns and just with the tape recorders and just, you know, get some quotes write him yeah. out and I'm like I can't be this close to Michael Jordan without me telling him that I grew up watching him and he was like <laughs> the god you know what I mean yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you you know by being around the teams that if you're working for the team you can't take any type of uh, souvenirs or no. anything of that sort 
I went over to Michael. I said, thank you for being one of the greatest players of all time. I grew up watching you, and I admire, I admire your game. And, you know, thank you. You know, thank you for being such a big part of my childhood. He says, you're welcome. If you want the sneakers, you can take the sneakers. And I was just like, I really, really want to take the sneakers. <laughs> I really wanted to take the sneakers. But, and meanwhile, my supervisor was standing right behind me. I was like, no, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And I, I can't, apparently Michael was already friends with the, the, the Nets brass. And so he uh, said, and they said, no, we need you to go in there and, and uh, you know, get some more quotes. So I walked around the, again, you know, some more media stuff. And then Michael goes, you sure you don't want to take the sneakers? And I'm like, I can't. And then, oh. the, and, and then the PR guy sends me back in there again. I'm like, this has got to stop. And and then the third time I came out, he looked at me and says, I'm glad you didn't take the sneakers. (laughs) That was a a PR guy? Yeah, that was a PR guy. You didn't? Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, I didn't take the sneakers. And I was waiting for him to say, you know, if you want to go take the sneakers, you can. I was waiting for him to say it. And I was like, oh. Waiting. And you're still waiting for him to say that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, What was it? I I was 23 at the time, so I'm 37 now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting for those sneakers. <laughs> what a great story, though. But look at the opportunity that you had just to be there. You know, that, that's historic. You know, uh, Derek Jeter's last game up at Fenway Park, I was there for that. That's historic. They rolled out all those uh, members of the, the Celtics, the, the uh, uh, Bruins, Patriots. You know, they're all there on the field, you know, to honor Derek Jeter. And I'm standing there going, wow. This is incredible. You know, so we've been able to be a part of those events while not being a part of them, really, and just being able to relay the information, what we see, the visual and things like that. And I think that's a that's a very unique thing. And, again, uh, I'll always be grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, and, and I, I can also tell you just one more quick one. Again, that same internship mm-hmm. year was year the Nets played the Spurs in the finals. So, oh yeah. So I'm I'm round, I'm there for that, and to me, I like have these like big eyes, just like I can't believe what I'm around yeah. for. And you're just and like I'm sitting there like we're going through the finals. We win game. The Nets win game four, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there saying, you know, I'm an intern. Do we if we win, do I get a ring? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like over this real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a question for you guys. Do I get a ring if we win? Like, let's let's yeah. let's get game five. Let's get game five. And I'm yeah, like, exactly. all right. Yeah. Now, oh, that's the, funny. sadly, that was never addressed because we didn't need to address it. So, but with all that, so what do you think? Would you would you've gotten one though? From what I was saying, is anybody who was a part of the organization during that season yeah. had the offer for a ring, and I was just like, gotcha. I, and I'll be honest with you, I would have people would have said, "What did you do for a college internship?" I would have said, "I won an NBA championship," and just held my hand up. There you go. Yeah, so there that's you how go. you do it. But yeah. uh, so. Yeah. What what advice do you have for younger people who want to break into this business? Um, because there is, I feel today, we live in a in a society where there, you know, they they say it's millenniums, but I say sometimes it's um, there's another there's another little phrase, you know, whatever it is, they, they, the entitlement. There's a sense of entitlement right now right, for some right, right, for right. a lot of for some younger some younger journalists, and I'm not insulting them, but it just seems yeah. like they give up easy. It's the times. Yeah. It's the times. So. What it, you know, because I, I look at a lot of kids, too, like the younger kids that that grew up in this era, you know, in this, you know, generation, you know, the touch tone or the touch screen stuff. You know, the I saw a video of a, of a little kid who was, I don't even think a year old, working an iPad. 
You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. And then seeing a TV screen going up and thinking that's touch, you know, <laughs> that's a touch screen too. And it's like, that's what they are born in. That's what they've been raised in. So it's not necessarily them that you're poo-pooing. It's just basically this time. Now, what, what I would say is that you have to pay your dues. You have to work hard. You have to have a goal, and you have to work for it, and you have to, uh, you know, like, like I said earlier, knock on a lot of doors and make phone calls and things like that. I have a daughter who's actually in the business. She's an uh, anchor and reporter in Boise, Idaho right now. She's just starting out. But I help her with advice and things like that, but I make no calls for her. I make, you know what I mean? It's This is going to be your future, so you have to work at it. You have to have, you know, take this craft seriously, and she certainly does. And then later on you'll be a lot more fulfilled because you did that, not because I made a call or anything like that. You have to work hard and feel like you've earned something, you know. And I think that that's been lost in a lot of ways, whether it's a family member that's allowing you to get a leg up or just just a, a sign of the times, you know, um, that it's easier or they feel like it's going to be easier, you know. And we've had conversations about moving on to another market and things like that. And it's like, hey, just take your time, make your mistakes, so that when you make that next move, you're ready to make that next move, not just get out of there for the sake of, you know, I need to be out of here and I'm, I'm getting antsy. No, work on your craft, become great at it, and then move on. Take everything, every step for as much as it's worth. You know, it's funny. I tell people, too, with audio, especially with audio, if mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to interview anybody, your friends, you know, make a podcast about something that you're passionate about, and talk to everybody about it. For me, I'm passionate about the relationship I have with people, not only with sports, but just in general. So, like yeah. I, besides doing this wonderful show that I'm doing right now, even though I have two co-hosts, I have two empty co-host seats right now. I feel a little lonely today. Um, <laughs> like, okay. What I do is I'll sit with my friends, and every once in a while, I'm like, "Let's do a podcast." You know, what are we talking about? I'm like, "Yeah, hey, we'll just talk about us. You know, our relationship exactly. with each other." And then I'll exactly. post it, and those are the things that people love because they like to hear. Yeah. They want to hear people have a good time, but most importantly, when you're doing those types of interviews, you're bettering yourself because it's making giving you that versatility that you can talk about anything. No doubt. And you know what? To, to, to piggyback off of that idea, you're asking me how I grew up uh, or, or how I was kind of like bitten by the bug uh, to get into broadcasting. When I was younger, I would sit at the park, like when I wasn't playing, and I'd be chick her calling a basketball game, you know, and not necessarily just to play-by-play, but just what I saw, you know. And then a couple times my cousin and I just did that and put it on tape. You know, it was a cassette tape at the time. (laughs) But that's what we did to try to get some early experience, you know what I mean? So you have to be able to, like you said, your versatility. At, At a young age, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And there are so many opportunities now for podcasts. A lot of people have podcasts. A lot of people have blogs that they, you know, that they're taking advantage of and, and getting their information out there, their thoughts, and, and it's all great, you know, as long as it's used in a, in a positive way. I, that's the way I look at it. But, you know, yeah, just pull up a chair and talk to people. You know, I get to do that every day for my job. You know, I feel like you know that that um, there there is that opportunity, um, but it's also just just freelancing, just 
coming off the cuff and just having a good time, like I said, because I know when I see something that has a nice headline and, and I know that somebody's worked hard on it, I'll listen to it and, you know, okay, cool, wow, give a little bit of critique or, or just thumbs up or whatever, you know. It, it's really the, the, the truth, and that's the best thing you can do. And, you know, my last thing for you, too, is one of the things that I, I think it's most important, too, is I, I'm over here, and I work with a lot of different, uh, some of the students here over at the local college here at Ramapo. And, uh, uh-huh. and I always tell them the best advice that I ever, that I ever received in uh, this business, and it came from Ian Eagle. And, okay. and I, I have to understand, I've known Ian since I was 13 years old. Nice. And that's that's also that's not aging him well, and it's not aging me well. <laughs> hey, we're still here, though, buddy. Yeah. That's all that matters. We're still here. Go ahead. So, so the best advice he said to me is: no matter what you do, you know, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be a construction worker, be the best construction worker you can be. If you want to be a podcaster, yeah. be the best podcaster you can be. But don't take any shortcuts. Mm. Do do the work because if you do yep. the work. The reward of your hard work is going to be an unbelievable feeling. He's right. He's right. And I've had the pleasure of working with Ian on a number of uh, NFL football games, preseason with the Jets and regular season games um, for CBS. Um, and he works hard. He's prepared. Yeah. He knows his stuff. And not just football, not just basketball, not just tennis. I mean, he's all over the place. He knows what he's talking about. And, and you can't fake it not to the level that he's at you can't fake it you have to work hard you have to have great study habits you have to you know just know your stuff man so he's that's that's great advice you know and and sometimes it's hard but he's right at the end of the day um when you look back on your career or in the midst of your career as you're having success you you'll say wow you know it, it was worth putting all that time in and working hard to become the best. You may not get there, but you know what? Strive for it. And the, the, Ian told me the most relaxing time he has to do as far as reading any type of material is when he goes out for dinner to look at a menu. So go go <laughs> figure. <laughs> go oh, figure. he got great sense of humor, too, man. He really, he's a funny dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is. I, and I'll... Yeah. I, and I'll let you go with this one point, but I, I did my first, like, inter- like I helped promote his broadcasting camp a couple years ago, and he and I were oh, yeah. and he and he I were talking a little bit, and one of the things that uh, I joked with him with is the day before, the day after, he, this was the day after a Nets game, and Brooke Lopez was playing, and they were doing, I think, Jewish Heritage Night or something like that, mm-hmm. and he made a call. During the game, Lopez did a, fa- you know, a facial slam on somebody, and he yeah. and he just yelled "Mazel Tov, Brook Lopez!" <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah. that's the only only way Ian can do it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's well respected in his business, and he knows he has a good time when he's out there doing his thing. But you know, you're going to get the nuts and bolts uh, as far as the information that you need during the game, and he's going to deliver it in a way that's fun. You know, that's the way I would describe him, and he's, and he's a good man. Oh, definitely. He's, he's a class act. Yeah. And so are you, for my friend, for, for giving us uh, some time tonight, man. This was a lot of fun, and uh, please, I hope you would like to come back on again with us. Yeah, just hit me up anytime, man. All right, well, and let, let everybody know where they can find you. CBS 2, WCBS Television right here in New York City and sometimes on the national broadcast for CBS Sports. Um, I'll be around, man.
What about Twitter? Are, are you are you active on the social oh, media yeah. field? Oh yes, O, o Livingston TV. That's at O Livingston TV um, on Twitter. I used to be on Instagram. No longer on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. You can look me up, Otis Livingston. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to use the social media to to promote a lot of the things, the events that I'm at, and uh, sometimes it's not as nuts and bolts. It's a lot of fun, though. You know, we're we're uh, I'm trying to have a little bit of fun, bring a little light to it, because that's to me what sports are. You know, I think that it's it's important. We root hard. We you know, but let's have fun with it. Awesome. There's seriousness. There's enough seriousness out there in the world, and you know, that's not uh, have anything to do with sports. You got it, man. Otis, thanks again. Yeah. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. You got it. All right. Take care. Take care. The great Otis Livington, Otis Livingston from uh, CBS Sports here in New York, Channel 2. It was a pleasure having him on. We always have a lot of fun. Listen, we're down to the final minute here. Let's do some plugs. Uh, check me out on Twitter and Instagram at RandyBSP. I'm on Facebook, BackSportsPage.com. Hey, guess what? BackSportsPage is on Twitter and Instagram as well, at BackSportsPage. Check out Off Topic on Twitter at OffTopicBSP. Next week, uh, Anthony will be back. I'll probably have a, a little bit of a different crew. Ryan Morick and Wendy Greco will probably be back as well. Probably get the whole crew rocking and rolling here back at WRPR. Thank you, Rampo College. Thank you, WRPR, for letting us use the studio, BackSportsPage.com. Off-topic BSP. We are, uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, and we'll see you then. Otherwise, peace. We're out of here.